All right, right, so so, music uh, intro, and then (laughs) greetings from... Yeah, we ready to go? Sorry, go on, I interrupted you, sorry. Greetings from Dallas, Texas, and... Greetings from Leicester in the UK, which I like to think of as the Dallas of the UK. I think I might have done that joke before, though. I think I've definitely heard it before. I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you've done it actually <laughs> on the podcast, but I've definitely heard that joke before. It's not really well, true. That, that doesn't matter. Um, uh, yeah, Dallas kind of the flyover state of the UK. <laughs> is huge and a massive cultural, well, Leicester is too, actually. Okay. I see. You've got a point there. See? Yeah, yeah. There are more creative industries in Leicester than any other city outside London. Really? Yes, really. I, that is the basis of my TED Talk that's in about two weeks' time. Now you're just so. bragging. Welcome, everybody, to the Twist and Shout podcast. I am Rob McCollum, U.S. Creative Director. And I am Jim Shields, U.K. Creative Director. And the owner of the company, let's be fair. Well, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I own the company. I think some, the, the rest of the people in the office have that look when they look at me like I'm going to go and lose it in a poker game. At any point, you know, it, it could happen. Like every Monday so, they uh, come in and like, oh, we're still, okay, good. <laughs> we're, we're fine. We're still in business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this I is a special I sold it, but because... I got three magic beans. <laughs> <laughs> and a frog. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I um, uh, wanted to say that this special podcast is the last one before the end of the year. And it's in October, so it is Cyber Security Month. This is a special one, and we have a special treat for everybody um, listening. We're giving away an entire uncut episode of Restricted Intelligence from Season 4, so if you haven't seen that yet, it's fun, um, to celebrate Cyber Security Month. And it's the public Wi-Fi episode. Uh, so all you need to do to get a copy is email jess at twistandshout.co.uk or katie at twistandshout.co.uk and they will send you a link to download that uh, during the month of October. You've got a couple of weeks left to, to get that email in and, and get that free episode. Uh, it talks about going into public Wi-Fi spots like cafes and hotels and places like that and um, being wary of fake Wi-Fi hotspots that will then track your movements and steal your stuff. I know you're all having, you know, private parties and uh, and big celebrations on your own uh, for Cybersecurity Month. I know it's a huge deal in everybody's family. <laughs> What's this one about? Uh, that's about being careful using public Wi-Fi when you're out of the office. Um, some people have been known to set up fake networks to steal your data. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they go to coffee shops and train stations, and they uh, pick a network name that seems legit. When you log in, they can see everything you do. They can see all your logins to any site you access, your banking passwords, your logging into the uh, office security system. That's really scary. Yeah, yeah, right? Where, where's Chloe? Oh, she's on a working lunch. I think she's at that cafe next door. Using the Wi-Fi? I have to, I have to save her. We have some really interesting interviews. In past podcasts, it's been a lot of Jim and I. This time, we've got some outsiders who really bring a lot to the conversation. First, we have an interview with Arnold Selberbaum, who is one of the early adopters, I would say, one of the first people that that got on board yeah. with Restricted Intelligence. 
And then we got to sit down when we were in Portland, Oregon uh, uh, earlier this summer. We got to sit down with a really amazing storyteller who has some incredible insights on what makes stories compelling, how how stories work, and and how you know companies can can use that and grow with it. She was fascinating, Marsha Shandor. I was amazed that I got we got to sit down and talk with her. So we'll hear some of that as well, right, Jim? Absolutely, yeah. She was amazing. Um, in fact, so both our people, uh, we have the security side covered, we have the storytelling side covered, so there's something for everybody in this one. So uh, I think we dive right in. Okay, as CISO at Reed Elsevier, I convened a quarterly on-site meeting with all the CISOs at Reed Elsevier from the divisions. And we were having discussions during a year on the how bad the traditional computer-based training or the video training, and I typically called it the video from hell, and, and the ability to retain any of the information was very poor. And it ha just so happened that all the CISOs from Reed Elsevier in the divisions agreed, and we were in search of a new solution, a new way to deliver the security message, because we were finding that the videos from corporate compliance and corporate legal about behaviors and understandings were not really hitting home with the population and not really hitting at the real security problems that we wanted people to be aware of. Um, and in our year-long search, one of the members found a company, a small startup, never heard of them, Twist and Shout, we saw the, um, we happened to have gotten a, a leader, or whatever they call it in the industry, to uh, take a look and evaluate it. And we didn't know the cost. We didn't know when the production would be over, but we all agreed we were willing to take the risk because what we had was, was terrible. I was worried about uh, a culture of comedy, um, but only from small segments. And, I, you know, my, my bigger concern was from other constituents within the organization, whether or not they get it. So it, it, it's people, I, I view it as, it wasn't my idea, it can't be a good idea then, and you're going to fail. Now, I'm going to convince you so that you don't do anything, that you're going to be a failure on this, so don't do anything. And I think it was exactly the opposite. So my view is when somebody tells you you're going to fail at doing something or you're not going to get the reaction, think twice. I felt very good. I asked, did we get reactions? Has anyone called in? Find out what it was. And I had taken a trip to our Dayton campus where a large portion of our employee base was located and I walked the walls. And there was tremendous anticipation and anxiety. When are you delivering it? And what one of the what I really learned from the experience was that we may have been slow at deployment, and that when you deploy this product, you can't wait that long. I think two to three weeks is about all you can wait. I think that um, um, that twist and shout sets an example of a different approach to employee engagement. And it's not only about security, it's about everything we do. 
And what we are always concerned about as responsible management and human resources is how do we engage the employee? How do we address what's in it for me? How do we make sure that we're meeting the needs of the employee? And I think the traditional way in which it's been done in the past has to stop. It's not working. And although it may or may not be humorous, I think what, what I learned the most is that my theory that we're a three-minute society, we're a YouTube society, we're a texting society, it has come true in security awareness. People do not have the patience to sit there for 45 minutes. Even managers don't want to sit there for 45 minutes being told how to do employee engagement. We've got to come up with these really quick snippets on how to get it done. It's, it's nice to hear somebody that has been been part of the family from the beginning and is still, uh, you know, is still such a fan and such a proponent of, of what we're trying to do. Yeah, I was a little bit uh, kind of, uh, wow, Arnold, that's really kind of you to say. In fact, I felt a little bit embarrassed of him saying those things in front of yeah, me. So. Not a paid <laughs> spokesperson, by the way, we need to say. There is no, <laughs> he's, not, he's not Jim's brother-in-law. It's, he's just no. an actual fan. Uh, moving on now to a little bit of storytelling theory. And uh, this woman was astonishing. Um, she blew my mind partly because of her in-depth knowledge about the psychology of storytelling and what actually happens in the brain, uh, as well as the fact that she's kind of a woman after my own heart. She believes in the power of storytelling to change business cultures, which is essentially what we're trying to do. So, um, uh, so yeah. So what was your impression of Marshall when we met for that lunch? Yeah, an amazing storyteller, but she's, she came out of radio. She came out of doing interviews and and started coaching these people on how to make their stories more compelling. And, and she's kind of been doing that for years now and finally realized like, oh, there's a, there's a big need for this in other places and other environments and businesses and other places too. So, but just her natural exuberance, anyone that she meets on the street, she starts getting into it and going, okay, how do you do that? Why do you do that? Why is that important to you? And gets genuinely excited about whatever they've got going on, even though it has no... You know, she's got no skin in that game. She's just interested in everybody's story and, and now has found a way to, like, turn that into a business, which I think is genius. So, uh, yeah, so let's, um, let's go to that lunch in Portland at the World Domination Summit. Listen, is it going to... Should I put my glass of water on the floor? I drink a lot, but won't it go clunk on here every time? Really? Okay. It's NPR, man. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. Clink. My raison d'être. My pitch for clients is that um, in order to drive change, you have to emotionally affect people. People will only ever make decisions based on emotion, and then they rationalize it with their judgment. The they reverse engineer it. Yeah, though. afterwards they'll say, well, actually, this toaster makes more sense because, you know, it has four slices and I have a big family. But really, they just want that toaster. Yeah. And, um, That's what Apple works on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely what Apple works on. And so. That's why I want a Tesla. And the quickest way to affect people's emotions is storytelling. You just jump straight in. You, you start telling a story. And when you're telling a story, people's brains respond as if they're inside the story. And 
the way you tell a good story is you talk about how did you feel. This is the biggest yeah. mistake people make. The two biggest mistakes people make in storytelling. One is they throw in spoilers. They say, well, of course, at this point, I didn't realize that the truck wasn't going to work. And then you don't, there's no suspense. There's no suspense. And yeah, the other thing is they don't, people think that the biggest mistake is they put in too much detail. But the biggest mistake is they don't put enough detail or not enough of the right detail. And mainly they don't talk about how, to, how they felt. So when I'm coaching clients, I'm constantly about how did you feel? How did you feel? How did you feel? And people do not know how to answer that question. <laughs> um, you know, you no. say, how did you feel? And they say, well, he wasn't supposed to be there. And you say, yes, but how did no, you no, feel? No. And they say, I don't, well, red shoes aren't the right kind of shoes. And so we're bad at talking about emotions. But when we talk about emotions in stories, we activate the listener or the reader's limbic systems, which is their emotional part of their brain. And so you're in instantly affecting their emotions. And that's what's going to drive them buying from you, them choosing to work with you, them funding your non-profit, them spending their time on you. So right now, I'm telling you facts, and the parts of your brain that are lighting up are called Broca's area and Wernicke's area. They're the data processing parts of your brain. But when I tell you a story, the parts of your brain that light up are the parts of your brain that would light up if you were inside my story. So I tell you a story about putting on a really soft sweater or eating a delicious hamburger and your sensory parts light up. Or I tell you a story about stacking cups and your motor parts light up. You just, you're, it's, it's that your brain actually responds as if y all of this is happening to you. Um, and I tell you about something, you know, how I felt and your limbic system lights up and that's the emotional part of your brain and then what happens is if I'm telling you this story in person our brains go in sync with each other because my brain is also lighting up like this and then if I'm telling the story to a room full of people the entire room full of people's brains all go in sync with each other like some kind of giant alien abduction and that's so powerful and that's why when you're in a room and somebody tells a story you feel that alchemy but it's not alchemy it's neurology but also with with visual images and not all stories you know people tell stories very badly we've all been at a party and talking to someone and we know that the story is interesting but dear god when will it end but similarly we all have that one person in our life who could tell any story and it's fascinating and it's because the rules of storytelling apply whether you're telling a story about dangling from a helicopter with alligators snapping at your feet or whether you're telling a story about going to the corner store to buy a can of soda the same rules apply and that's why some people are always fascinating with telling stories so the two things you always want to be asking are what did it look like and how did I feel and the how did I feel is because you want your limbic system what did I look what did it look like it's partly because you're lighting up the sensory the motor whatever it is but also making their brain respond yeah so they but also our brains process images 600,000 times quicker than they do words and so if you use words that are related to images they're much quicker for us to access because the rules of storytelling apply to any story that you're telling you can just learn the rules and then tell them I've had people come to me who are hard horrible storytellers and then they've stood up on stage and had 3,000 people like gasping and cheering and crying you know I had one person who, whose story when they first brought it to me was it was nice but there was no substance in there you wouldn't have remembered it it was all head and not heart and or, or eyes and then afterwards I met someone a few months later who ran up to me and said oh my god like I know that you coached that lady and the story it's completely changed my life and now I've changed my life as a result of it because she had that profound emotional impact on people and people will always make decisions based on emotions always and then they rationalize it afterwards with their intellect so we all walk around all day every day thinking everyone else has their ish together and we don't
Um, and then we get on Facebook and that feeling is compounded because people are like, oh, my happy marriage. Oh, I'm single and I go out partying. Oh, I've got kids. I don't have kids and I travel all the time. And it compounds that feeling and that feeling is shame because it's like everyone else has it together and I don't. I'm the F up here. And then somebody stands up and tells a story who's somebody who you just saw walking around the room and assumed also had their ish together or it could be somebody that you know writes about a story and again you assumed you know it could be your business hero and they tell a story with some vulnerability in it and when you talk about your emotions there's the vulnerability and you think oh my god you don't have it fully together either so maybe it's okay if I don't have it fully together and it connects you and connection is you feel shame when you think everyone else has it together but connection is the antithesis of shame but then also you think, hang on, if you don't have it together and I don't have it together, maybe nobody in this room has it together and it connects you to everyone. And as humans, we're wired to connect. We need it to stay alive. And so from a service point of view, that's huge. And that's my driving mission. But also from a marketing point of view, there's a quote by the poet Maya Angelou that I give to all my clients, which is, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And if how you made them feel is like they're not gonna die, then they're going to remember you forever. All right. That was the inimitable Marsha Shandor meeting with Jim and I in Portland, Oregon. As Jim said, at the World Domination Summit, which is not the evil league of evil meeting that it sounds like. <laughs> not an episode of Dr. Horrible. Uh, it was a great conference we got to go to in, in Portland with a lot of people focused on looking at new ways to live one's life and and make a difference in the world it was really it was great to get to go jim invited me he's been there what this is your third year i think third that was my third year yeah and there's three thousand or so creative individuals r running a business there's coaching there's you know filmmakers there's every p type of creative business you can think of and it just sets the town alive i can't think of a better city to hold that in as well yeah so we were already buzzing with just immense creative possibility and then to get to sit down with uh with marcia who who is someone who, for a living, executes upon those ideas. It was really great. It was exciting. And I'm very happy that she had the time to sit down with us. Also, I need to give a shout out to her website, Yes, Yes, Marsha, which is a, a great place to go and find out what she can do and her uh, storytelling uh, and coaching services. And, um, yeah, I think that's all we've got time for. Um, so it's time to go and get a cocktail because that's how we roll. Don't Absolutely. <laughs> don't. Uh, we're not going to tell you which time zone we're doing what in because it's clearly six hours different. So one of us is either drinking way too early or way too late. But that's for you to decide. <laughs> so we want to remind you to uh, make sure that you get in touch with Jess at twistandshout.co.uk or Katie at twistandshout.co.uk to get your free episode for Cybersecurity Month, the public Wi-Fi episode. Uh, that's the one and uh, they will just send you a link where you can take it and use it and that offer is on until the end of October which is Cyber Security Month Happy Cyber Security right. Month everybody Tell your friends And happy All holidays right. for the rest of the year We may not have time to do another podcast between now and the end of the year so have a fantastic holidays and we will see you in 2017 for lots of new exciting news from Twist and Shout From Dallas This yeah, has yeah. been Rob McCollum from Leicester, this has been Jim Shields, and uh, you're wishing your life away, Rob. It's too soon. But okay, let's, let, let's talk about it for next time. <laughs> it's a timey-wimey wibbly-wobbly. Bye for now. All right, bye everybody. Thanks for listening.